All right, welcome back to the Smash Bracket Podcast or Bracket Cast. I know I, we decided, but I don't. <laughs> I think we've gone with the Smash Bracket Podcast. Uh, I believe we just recently changed our name to that on all of the podcast platforms. Cool. I like it. It's so. intuitive. <laughs> intuitive, maybe not exciting, but it yeah. works. On the go this time, actually. We're recording this away from our usual setup in the mountains uh, to really get in the theme of nature with what we're talking about today. <laughs> that would be uh, our, our deep dive into Wario and Lucas, which is renowned for uh, just being so far removed from civilization, both of them. So before we get into uh, Wario and Lucas specifically, I just, I'm really curious, which character do you think is going to have the more surprising arguments that didn't hold up as far as approaching the characters from a casual fan? Like, if I knew nothing about versus debating, but I, like, religiously played all of the games of each character, who would I be most surprised by, like, their versus battle wiki profile or debate jungle or something like that? I feel like it would have to be Wario, almost entirely because he just has so much more media that he's a part of. That makes sense. Um, so even as a hardcore fan, you've probably not played or read or watched everything with Wario in it, so there's that. Mm -hmm. But it also means that you have arguments about the entire Mario franchise that Wario is involved with, um, and that just opens a whole can of worms. The, the franchise has a lot of really dedicated fans who've done a lot of really, really deep digging into a, to what he possesses. I've been so scared to get into any character, because it seems like all of the characters are somewhat tied together. Like, yeah. lots of similar appearances with each other, lots of the same feats. And then they all go and, like, play tennis together. And it, it's hard to say that they're wildly far apart. And then, while playing tennis, jump up and spike something from the moon down. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. Yeah. That said, I think that Wario's stuff is more straightforward for the most part at least uh compared to what lucas has got going for him um the the mother games and you're the bigger fan here so you can probably speak to this more they're pretty metaphysical in in nature and they've got a lot of a lot of wacky crap going on mm -hmm. uh so lucas's arguments are all based around that weirdness whereas mario or mario characters in general and wario here specifically is usually just very strong um there are a lot of arguments that get into weirder stuff for, for Wario and the Mario characters, but they're less common. Yeah, so before we get into Wario or Lucas, uh, let's kind of talk about what we're doing here in the first place, which is these deep dives podcasts. Um, we used to have um, question and answer articles that we put over on Real Lemon's Medium blog. Are we still doing those? or I don't think so. Um, they... So this is kind of the... New form it's going to Right. Um, they were an idea that I liked, um, but really it's just too limited to be able to, or to have to write an article about it. And I feel like the perspective we get having a conversation about them makes it a lot more meaningful than just having me write about my, my own perspective on things. Mm. Um, I'm open to, to like doing Q and A's with people in writing or on the discord or things, but as far as, like, a catalog of all of the common arguments we hear, I think that's going to be taking place on this podcast. All right, great. So, I have, uh, I've gone over all of our YouTube comments for the episode and 
all of the questions that I've seen submitted in Discord. We've got a channel for that, by the way. If you want to head on over to our Discord, you can uh, suggest topics for us to touch on on our streams and I podcasts. Think we have our own URL now. For the oh, we do. Is it? Uh, I think it's discord.gg slash smash bracket or inks smash bracket. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> well, uh, I've been here since the beginning, so I haven't needed to join lately. That's true. Uh, you did we'll kick yourself once. I did kick myself once, indeed. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have that up. That's all right. We'll put it in the description. So where are we starting today on this deep dive into Wario and Lucas? Well, like I said, I've got all their feats. Um, I've been debating going back and forth uh, whether we should talk about everything we've looked at for these characters. Um, on the one hand, that would take so much time and be a real pain for us to do. But on the other hand, a lot of the results of these feats when we measure them are unintuitive. So we see a lot of people asking if we've considered some feat or another when we have, and we have calculations for it, and it's just not as impressive as the other stuff, and it's not intuitive to think that. Um, so, I don't know. If, if anyone's interested in having us probably just do a really quick rundown of all the feats that we've looked at for the characters, uh, let us know in the comments, and we might do that in the future. For now, I'm just going to go through the common arguments we get for uh, for all of the... or both the characters. Um, one general thing I wanted to start with before we get into anything specific for this fight, for both, um, well, for this fight and for most other fights, I've seen a lot of people look at the animation and look at something the characters do in the animation and wonder, like, how that fits into our overall research or why would the character do something like this in the animation or why didn't this lead to a victory. Um, in this case, specifically, we had Lucas failing PK Flash, I believe it was, oh, gotcha. in the animation. And a lot of people are like, that's not fair. There's only a small chance it does nothing. Why would you do that? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how the animation reflects um, like how we actually believe the outcome of a fight would go? Yeah. So first off, animation matters. Um, unless something goes very wrong in our production process, we try really hard to make sure everything that happens in the animation down to like the size of the characters um, and preferably like their personalities as well. We try to make sure that's something that would actually happen when those two characters interact. Um, for example, we have a we have an animator working on Wario versus King Knight right now who made the coolest looking like cape deflect of a tiny laser beam I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like destroying an entire countryside slash castle, and we had to be like, uh, "Look, you're you're a bit too cool for us here. Uh, we the, the characters aren't quite this strong." I'm so excited to get him on a bigger animation, though. Yeah, Link versus Darth Vader, he would do so well on. I don't know if people know that one. Oh, I don't know if did we commit to that one? Yeah, cool. Yeah, he would do really well with Link versus Darth Vader. Anyway, so getting back to animations. Um, I'll, I'll start by giving you the general process of how we make them and then go into um, what happens in the animation and how it reflects on what would actually happen. So the process for the animations is we do a bunch of preliminary research. We try to find each character's best feat in each category um, so we can get a general idea of how they'll stack up to each other. Uh, like if one character is way slower than another character or way less tanky, we'll try to take that into account. And we also get a massive list of 
every single ability and uh, like power the characters have, any items they can use. We put it all into one big document that we give the animators. Um, and then we'll either write up a script at that point or write up bullet points of what we want to happen and send that over to the animator. Uh, and then every Friday, they provide us with works in progress where we can tweak things that uh, need some revision in order to keep them accurate. For example, in Bill Cipher versus Sephiroth, Bill, um, Bill Cipher stopped Sephiroth with the time stop originally. And we had to say, ah, eh, that doesn't really work. Um, but as far as uh, something like Lucas's PK Flash, triggering with the 5% that uh, that it would do nothing. I think this kind of mentality operates off the assumption that the same person would win a fight every single time. That this is how the fight would go. If you run the fight a thousand times, 900 of them are going to look like this. When in reality, every time a character, like two characters fight, it's probably going to look pretty different. Um, so rather than thinking of it as like the one the one true way that a character would lose. Like the only way Lucas is going to lose here is if he uses PK flash and it gets that 5%. Uh, instead of thinking of it like that, think of it as like this huge multiverse of thousands of different animations that depict what would happen. And we just happen to be seeing the one where at the end PK flash didn't work. Um, but yeah, it's not meant to be like a definitive take that, at the end of the battle, PK Flash won't work, and then Wario will be able to capitalize on it. Is that kind of what you were getting at? Yeah. Cool. Um, one one thought I've seen people bring up a lot is that the ending we end up showing is how we believe the character has to win. Um, and like you're saying, it's there's usually like huge, huge amounts of possible ways that someone could fight throughout the battle and finish it off. So that's not really our intention. The way that I've always seen it is that we do our best to come up with an accurate way to portray the characters in the animation. And then what actually happens in the animation is kind of like us cherry picking ways that their arsenals could interact with each other in unique and interesting ways, both to show off what's cool about it and to show off aspects of the game that um, might not otherwise get representation. Like, Lucas failing PK Flash is not necessarily terribly exciting, but it's something that a fan of the game would be really familiar with and appreciate the nod, I think. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that kind of covers it. The um, same thing with like the 0.005% chance that the bear is going to attack when you use the honey. Right. Uh, the honey shower. So we, um, we had I, a lot I of do think it's worth differentiating though, between animations, um, not being reflective of how it would go any time and animations not mattering to what's actually accurate. For example, 900, 900 or 9,999% of the time. That's a, I don't know what I'm saying here. Uh, Ganondorf is going to come down and just cut Isabella in half. And that's how that's going to go. Maybe the tiniest percent of the time they're going to end up having pie together. But what's not going to happen is Isabel's going to stand any semblance of a chance or be able to fight back, which is why we didn't really have Isabel fighting back. We want to keep it to how the characters would interact while uh, still being able to have. It's funny you say that because uh, that alternate ending for the episode featured a pretty unique take on Isabel. Yeah, that's that's kind of the. We've had to kind of uh, squint our eyes a little bit at some of the alternate endings. <laughs> Originally, Jigglypuff was going to have like the Infinity Gauntlet fall on its hand because um, <laughs> we didn't think there was any way that Jigglypuff could win when we started scripting. Then turned out it was a bit closer. Man, we uh, 
I'm glad we got away from just scripting these battles with our preconceived ideas of the character before doing any research. Me too. <laughs> that's that's that how a lot of our first Fox. ones. Oh boy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're redoing those early episodes and uh, I think we're going to make the series a lot better going yeah. forward. Anyway, to, to get into um, to get into the specifics for this match, I'm going to go through the, the arguments and questions and feats that I saw brought up for Wario first. Um, some of these I've condensed into uh, just like little topic reminders for me and other ones I basically kept the whole question of when they were too complicated to reduce. So okay, great. Um, Wario's first question is about the Black Jewel destruction feat. Do you remember the Black Jewel? Uh, I think I remember seeing it in Notion. Yeah, so it's um, it's from Wario Wario World. It's the final boss of the game. Um, and the idea behind this feat is that the Black Jewel has created this whole dimension that you're playing the game in. And when you destroy him, the dimension goes away. So Black um, Jewel's a character, it's not... It is literally a Black Jewel, but it's okay. also alive. Um, Naturally. It's like possessed with evil or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it absorbed the evil in Wario's presence in order to revive, if I'm remembering it right. Um, but the, the crux of this argument is that because it was sustaining a dimension on its own... In order to destroy the jewel, Wario had to be able to output enough power to destroy a dimension. Um, and yeah, so the the question is, did we consider that? And how did we uh, calc it if we did? That's kind of interesting because Black Jewel, like, that's pretty niche. Most people aren't going to know it unless they're into versus debating. But this argument we see brought up all the time in a bunch oh, of yeah. different skins. I've really been meaning to to create some article breaking down uh, creation feats in general and how it works. And so I, I, I will get that out eventually. <laughs> um, but for now, this is one specific take on it, which is the jewel had created the dimension. Um, and when it died, the dimension was gone. But there's no indication that it was like physically strong. Um at least not to the degree that it would require to create all of this matter we see. Um, one funny thing I see about creation feats in general is that almost nobody like treats them as powerfully as they would deserve. What so, do you mean? Uh, let's say you have the power to create a building. Okay. Um, just, just out of thin air, you create a building. Most people would say that makes you building level. Um, whereas actually the amount of energy required to do that would be like enough to destroy a continent, which um, is why building level and those tiers are kind of misnomers. Like, well, it's not in this case, this case it's specifically done to keep it intuitive because it, it wouldn't feel right to say creating a building lets you destroy a continent. That would be when the tiers are misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, so by just ignoring the entire creation process and what the actual energy involved with that would be, they can limit it to the intuitive building level equals building destruction. Um, so this, what, what I was getting at is there's two different, I feel like people use building level, for example, in two different ways. One is referring to something like, like that, like creating a building, destroying a building, 
And then the other one is a metric that has a very specific number associated with it that's not connected to a building in and of itself. It's just kind of the benchmark they use to get that. I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think that those tiers are based off of, like, I think the metric they're using is based off of a building, but obviously you don't really get the exact picture of which building or what level of destruction you're talking about when you just hear that. Right. Anyway, that's besides the point. The the point is this creation feed, if it were scaling him physically, um, the, the energy involved in that would just be phenomenal, um, like incomprehensibly large. And I know there's going to be a lot of people saying that that's not out of character for Mario characters. Um, it's pretty within the realm of what the series has presented, but it's way above anything else that Wario has physically demonstrated to himself. And again, there's no indication that the jewel is buffed anywhere to, to that level of power. Um, also, fun fact, after you defeat this jewel, you're in an empty white void, and this, like, tribe of creepy little elf dudes come, and they just start, like, dancing. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Does it ever explain it? Yeah, they're like, hey, Wario, we're thankful you saved us, we're gonna rebuild your castle, and then they dance, and then your castle's back. <laughs> castle level dancing. I think, I think they danced existence back into existence. As uh, you do. That's It was weird. Anyway, so we we didn't consider the creation feat as meaningful for the Black Jewel's um, endurance or durability. What we did instead was um, we calculated the kinetic energy required to throw the jewel. Because in order to defeat it, you pick it up and throw it. And the thing is like, uh, it's like 20 feet long or something. So it's pretty big. Oh, that's big. Yeah. Um, and it was impressive. I think it ended up weighing something like, uh, what would that be? Like 500,000 pounds or something crazy. Um, Rocks and just like dense pieces of earth are so deceptively massive and heavy. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But even with all that weight, it just, it wasn't enough to, to overshadow what Wario has done in other instances. So we, we looked at the feet, um, we did calculate the feet. He just had more just, impressive stuff. Right. Um, oh, I did want to t- touch on one other thing you said right at the start okay. of this feat. Uh, you mentioned how um, it seemed like something that was pretty niche that people outside the versus community wouldn't know. Um, and that tends to be how we decide a lot of uh, which of these feats we should address is that we're trying to be accurate and present... Do you mean as far as what makes it into the script? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, We're trying to be accurate. We're trying to present a thorough picture, but we just can't go over everything. Um, And, like, if it's an argument that we're not using to be a character's best feat, then it just doesn't make sense for us to spend five or ten minutes explaining the setup for something only to say that we don't believe in that interpretation of it. Right. If it was their best feat, we would go into it regardless of how niche it was. Right. That makes sense. Um, Just, and and that's what's so hard from a scripting perspective that I really admire about death battle is their ability to take something niche and kind of boring and make it really accessible and fun and generally know how to piece things together in a pretty cohesive way. Um, if we put everything we had in the video and fully explained it, each video would be two or three hours. There are people who will say they want that and they don't, they're not right. If it was a series without an animation, that could be kind of cool, uh, as like a 
huge video essay thing. But I actually would like it. That sounds like a great uh, podcast to just turn on and listen to. I yeah. love podcasts. Uh, I guess that's what this is, though. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, the next question is about, uh, Wario's earthquake punch in, I believe it was shake it. Um, you can yeah. punch the ground so hard that it, it shakes the environment. And one of our users on discord ad, wait, advert or advent. I'm so sorry. I think it's advent. Oh crap. Why don't I remember? Maybe I'm pretty it's sure advent. it's advert. Yeah. I think it's advert, but regardless advert. while you look for it. Yeah. So he punches the ground. It causes everything to shake. And I think I know what you're talking about. He decided to look at the level of shake that's going on and then say, this is consistent with what you would see in X size of an earthquake. Yeah. So specifically he calculated it based off a of magnitude, something mm-hmm. earthquake. I don't remember the exact number he used. Um, I think it was fairly low though, because you don't see any crazy destruction happening. Um, and Wario is, is punching a ship here and you see it. And I think some ships in the background shaking, uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, and honestly, the, the calculation seemed good to me, but the methodology wasn't, wasn't one that we agreed with. Um, it, the way that we calculated this is we looked at the weight of the ship. We looked at just the weight of everything that would be getting shaken we measured how much it shook and then we calculated the energy required to do that instead of saying that it created an earthquake that caused this much shakage and that gave us a much lower number um that's that's actually another topic i've been wanting to dive deep into is how you can like just make math say whatever you want basically based on your original it sounds like both of those are pretty logical interpretations of what's going on right i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say that either of them is wrong some nice buffs to diddy kong (laughs) yeah there there's just so many ways that you can interpret things um and based on those interpretations based on the assumptions you start out making the end results are just drastically different so in this case, we could measure the, the shaking of the ships, or we could say it was an earthquake, and that gives us really big differences, and it's just two methods. Um, and there's so many more. So really, that's one of the, the more fundamental differences between us and other people that I've seen is the assumptions we make. And I just haven't had a real way to voice that. Mm-hmm. Um but we try to be very, uh, very conscious of those assumptions. As so well. why didn't we go with the earthquake then? If it's a logical one, why did we go with what we can see? Uh, really what it comes down to is that when I'm in doubt, I try to go with the most conservative approach to something. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the earthquake could probably accurately describe the situation. Uh, there might be some mitigating pieces of evidence against it, like uh, the waves itself not showing enough shaking around or the formation of tsunamis, depending on the level of earthquake. Uh, I didn't look into it that much. But the the overall point is that with an earthquake, you're not just shaking the things at the surface of the earth. Like that's the tectonic plates moving violently. Um, and so while it could be something that's happening, it's just involving a lot more going on behind the scenes that we don't see. And the end result is a much higher number than what we would get through other methods. Um, and so we would need some pretty solid evidence to, to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not wrong. It's just, 
just always be mindful of the assumptions behind a calculation. We don't present what assumptions we make enough just because it would bog down the videos. Right. Um, but I would be happy to tell anyone any of those assumptions if they ask. Um, our next our next question is about Wario's mind control. Um, I heard this one a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's, it's weird. So there's like one commercial where Wario is mind controlling the audience um and then in a game manual it, it says that he mind controlled a bunch of people. what do you mean he's mind controlling the audience maybe not mind that could have a bunch it's, of different it's more like hypnotism you you see his face on the screen and you've got the little hypnotism circles i don't know what they're called um the little pendulum no or, like, oh, like the, behind him. the expanding yeah. contracting circles yeah um and he's like "Ooh, i'm oreo go buy my game so is and he telling that to people inside the universe of the commercial, or is he... I think it's both. Telling it to the viewer. it was a WarioWare game, unless I'm just completely off base, which I might be. Um, full disclosure, this is the episode I've worked on the least, because our team is getting so awesome that I do other stuff. So I, I'm mostly caught up with things, but my my knowledge is not as rock solid as it is on, like, Sonic. Um, anyway, though, so he he's telling... The audience to buy the game, like us. And he's also telling the game world to buy his game, because I think that's like a plot point, that he has mind-washed these people into uh, to getting the game. And that's kind of what we were referencing in the beginning of the animation, with everyone right. brainwashed and um, watching YouTube videos, um, apparently. I was a little confused at the implications of there when I was listening to the clips you had playing. Okay, do you know how hard Nintendo went on making it seem like the 3DS, and I think maybe just the DS, were made for watching YouTube and streaming stuff? Did they? There were so many weird pushes, like in their direct state savings, like, and and now just so you know, you you still can watch video, and they had people doing it in their commercials. That's hilarious They wanted it to be... A competitor to the smartphone for watching stuff. I love the idea of someone just pulling out a 3DS to watch <laughs> YouTube in 180p. <laughs> like, this is the best way to experience my favorite content. Anyway, it was weird. What it came down to is that Wario's never shown the ability to do mind control in a combat situation. We don't really know how effective it would be against, like, someone with above average willpower. Um... It, we didn't necessarily rule it out, but it wasn't it wasn't reliable. We didn't really know much about it, and Wario could win through other means. Um, if it was his absolute last resort, maybe we would have considered it, but it gets really iffy when you don't know anything about the time frame required to do something or who it could affect or how strongly it could affect them. Mm -hmm. uh, we would basically have to make all of that up. How do we figure out if hypnotism works on a character? Or do we just assume hypnotism affects well, everyone? Well, hypnotism uh, works if you want it to. So there's I was that. just I was thinking of a story story I heard. It was like a uh, like fact or myth thing about a hypnotist in Italy who did a TV show. Um, and in it, he had like hypnotized kids to put their face or put their hands above their head. Um, and later he undid it, but kids who turned it off before then supposedly were stuck and they had <laughs> to, uh, have him go on and do a second broadcast to undo it. Uh, That's they said that one was real. I don't believe it, but I guess there's precedent. I wait an Italian 
hypnotist. Hey. Hold up. <laughs> is this Wario? Is Wario Italian too? I don't know. Is Mario even Italian? Like, I always thought so. Maybe he just I has an Italian accent. I guess he's from the Mushroom Kingdom, not Italy. Unless <laughs> I was watching, I've been going through these reanimated videos to, uh, to hopefully find some new animators for us. And one of them was a Mario Bros. cartoon animation. And I've never watched that before. But the voice actors are so bad. They really are. <laughs> anyway. All right. So next up for Wario, what have we got? Uh, next up, I saw this brought up a lot, is uh, people questioning why Wario got that durability feat from Get It Together, where he got smashed by the giant nose. Um, uh, because that takes place uh, with a video game version of Wario, right? Yeah, that that's the argument. Um, so basically what happens in Get It Together is Wario's like, hey guys, I made this game. And then everyone gets sucked into the game, and most of the game takes place in the game. Um, and so in that context, I agree. Most things in that game really aren't usable where it gets a little more confusing is that there are two distinct art styles for the game where you have like a really, uh, chibi cute version of the characters when they are in the game mm -hmm. and then a more normal version of the characters outside the game. And the game is usually, well, it's always really consistent with distinguishing these art styles. Um, however, when the cutscenes start at the beginning of every level, they are in the, um, the pre-video game art style, as opposed to the video game art style, mm -hmm. um, which seems like it's trying to communicate to us that these cutscenes are taking place outside of the game. And in fact, several of the cutscenes have characters like go into the game after, uh, after the start of their cutscene, so it seems to support it. But then it gets weird with, like, this nose thing is the game entity, and so it doesn't really make sense for it to be outside of the game in the first place to hit Wario. It's the game entity. It's the thing that sucked them in. Gotcha. Basically, you see the nose everywhere because it's what's influencing the game. It's a very common motif uh, for the game world. Okay. Um. So basically, we have pretty conflicting points of evidence for this being in and out of the game. What we decided to do was just be lenient and say that this is representative of Wario's ability, whether or not it actually physically happened. Um, I believe, I believe that just given how the art styles are presented and how consistent that is, that it probably took place outside of the game, but I don't know. It's weird. Um, I totally get all the people saying that it's unusable because it was a video game. But, uh, we, we it definitely... sounds like something, once again, you could argue either way. Right. Normally we would lean to the side of things, like to the side of throwing things out. Um, one reason we were generous in this case is just because Wario is supposed to be like durability is his thing. Um, he's supposed to be ridiculously tanky and able to bounce back from anything. And a lot of what we had just really didn't live up to that level. Um, this being his best feat is kind of a result of us being overly critical in other areas. So it sounds like uh, it was a case of the lore not really stacking up with uh, what we were finding. Mm -hmm. And so we used the lore as a president to be a bit more lenient uh, when allowing a feat. 
Yeah. And I mean, he still would have been tanky. It's not like we had him have this feat that made him really tanky and everything else had him like a, a wet paper bag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, like, ultimately, there was enough going for this and it didn't feel like it was radically shifting our interpretation of the character or their strength. So we felt it was fine to be a bit lenient. Um, uh, for research on Wario, was there a higher emphasis on researching WarioWare or the Wario Land games, or were they equal? But did you expect more feats from one or the other? Um, as far as I know, they were equal. Yep, equal weights. Uh, I guess we would probably have expected more from the Wario Land games, just because mm-hmm. WarioWare games are mostly video Many game. games. Yeah. Um, but we made sure to look at them both. We also looked at a bunch of other stuff that didn't really make it into the video, like a bunch of manga and comic appearances. Um, I saw How a lot of... manga folder now? <laughs> I have, uh, I think it was 68 gigabytes and something like 350,000 items in there. And that's a collection of just obscure Nintendo yeah. manga. And... and a lot of them are in Japanese. Please, if you like actually speak Japanese and want to read all this manga, reach out to me and we will bring you on the team because we need help. Um, <laughs> but... Oh boy, it's uh, it's hard to go through when I don't speak the language. Yeah. But yeah, I saw a lot of people asking why we didn't bring up the fact that uh, Mario and Wario often played, uh, I think it was Cops and Robbers or like uh, Hunter and Indian or something like that. They played some game and uh, Mario always made Wario be the bad guy. And that's why Wario doesn't like him. And uh, I looked at that comic, so I did see it. It just wasn't relevant in any way. That's what I try to wrap my head around is like, why do they need us to bring that up? Because it's a an interesting factoid, I guess. That is an interesting factoid. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff. I, I want to get a good series or a good opportunity to share that kind of a thing. But well, we have round two and potentially <laughs> that's three, true. four. We have a lot more Wario videos coming up in the future. So that's something that's kind of hard about Smash Bracket characters specifically is it's a balance between wanting to show and talk about all of their most interesting stuff in as much detail as possible, and also balancing the possibility that you could see a character like six or seven times, depending on how they do uh, before the show's over. Yeah. I, uh, clearly, we're just going to have to switch the balance of analysis and animation in rounds two and onward. So we have like a two-minute analysis and a 16-minute animation. <laughs> that sounds affordable. Yeah. Uh, how was Wario able to ride a bear? He jumped on it and said, Wahoo! <laughs> I don't think he's ever explicitly shown the ability to ride a bear. Uh, I don't think that it matters, though. He could yeah, probably punch the bear out. If he's he athletic. To. He can... It just felt right. It did. It feels like something you would see in a Wario game, even though, like, you don't see that in Wario games. Yeah. On a bit more, like, numerical side of that, he's held onto his bike that can go much faster than it, apparently. That's true. Um, Anyway. Uh, Since Wario never really carries around his power-ups, wouldn't they be too unreliable to give him a consistent win? Um, So so inventory is actually something we've been talking about, right? Yeah. This is a little different. This is touching on characters who just find their power-ups scattered throughout the world. There's no way to get reliable access to them. Um, like Mario, where you find a, a mushroom in a block, and that's the only place you can get mushrooms, and 
you're not even guaranteed to get that block people are going to bring up that you can buy it and bring it into the level but for the sake of this just pretend like it was old mario now. games we're looking at mario one here gotcha but yeah like uh, obviously composite characters will often get some way to make those power-ups more reliable um in this case i don't think wario had anything like that um but I don't know. It, it is probably something we need to formalize, but the way I see it, you're right. Um, having unreliable access to these power-ups is an important part of the game balance. Um, and the level design, it's like, it it feels weird to say that they should get unlimited access to power-ups. But at the same time, we do have to like give them those powers to have an accurate look at the character. Uh, it would feel really bad. If they bad. were put into a game where they were fighting uh, fighting their opponents, and it was designed, they would have those power-ups around the level, most likely, I would think. Oh, for sure. Or just baked into their kit, like uh, Mario got on Smash Bros. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's probably stretching the characters a little bit, and you're right that it would be unreliable, but we also can't really get an accurate picture of them without doing that, so... Uh, we, we probably need to find a better way to balance those two sides, uh, at least a consistent way. And we are working on it, but uh, for now, that's, that's kind of our guiding thoughts. Our mm-hmm. uh, last question for Wario is just, shouldn't he scale to Mario? They, they're in the same games all the time. They've fought several times. Um, so he should at least be, like, relatively close. And you'll love this. The, the actual specific question mentioned Mario's ability to... To the birds... They did actually debunk your birds. Uh, they said Mario can maneuver as a bolt of lightning and can kick a limestone castle. The castle, I can understand much more than limestone? Where are they getting limestone? I don't know. Um, the castle, I can understand much more than the birds. Like, I, I don't want to derail too much. But on one side of things, in favor of Mario actually being a bolt of lightning, is he looks like a lightning emoji with a mustache. And then when you look at the downsides, it's everything else. Okay, to be fair, he is, like, moving through wires. So he's probably some kind of electricity. Was it a wire? I thought it was a rod. Metal of some kind? He is moving. It appears to be made of some kind of metal. <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't even get the quote right. My um, favorite, my favorite part of the debunk. I'm, I'm not to like make fun of it. Is just people saying the birds are. They're just there to be there. They're not there to debunk it. And I don't know. I don't think anything is designed. Like no one's designing games and saying we need to put in birds here to debunk a possible interpretation of what's going on. It's just. It's well, you're looking at the environment as a whole, and the environment as a whole has birds. In order to get that beat to work, you really have to make your conclusion first. Like, this beat works as long as you don't look at the birds, as long as you don't look at the gravity, as long as you don't look at anything else on this level, as long as you don't track them earlier in the level and then match it to the lightning rather than measure the return stroke of actual lightning and then put that to the rest of the level um, it requires a lot of mental gymnastics in order to get that feat to work. That said, I am planning to actually calculate what that speed would be, and I bet it will not be that impressive. There is... Electricity doesn't move that fast through most materials. There's no chance that that Mario beat Sonic. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe. I don't. I, we this haven't is, looked This is it. another thing for... Galaxy is a... 
a crazy series of like, games. I mean, we've looked into Paper Mario and Archie Sonic. This is very different than that. But anyway, back to the question. Yeah. I don't know. They might be comparable. They don't really have many clear instances of how they would be comparable. Um, obviously, they share a lot of the games, so they have similar feats from those games. Um, but I don't know. They're, we we have an article. I think I turned it into a video that's still being processed um, about how our scaling rules work. Um, and there's just nothing there that, that holds up. The implication would have to just be like they fought each other and so like like their stats match up, that's well I get where it comes from and that's the whole concept of scaling. Uh it's it's just not how fights work or combat works. But there are situations where we do allow scaling, uh, which that video will get into some more. Yeah. I mean I do I do think I believe they're probably meant to be comparable. It's just that I feel like the situations where they're meant to be comparable are made by people who don't remember the crazy crap that other people have accidentally made Mario do. Um, Like, I don't think that they're saying, in this game, Mario can play tennis with a toad. And that means that the toad can punt castles around like they're nothing because Mario did that before. Um, I, I just think that a lot of times we need to be mindful of where a character normally operates and how that can be very different from the peak performance that they've shown. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so is that what we got for Wario? That was all of our stuff for Wario, yep. I will say before we move on, he has my favorite voice lines out of any character that i found so far in Smash Bracket. Yes, yeah. uh, he, he does have so great fun. ones. We had a lot of people praising our voice actor for Wario that episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, for those not in the know, we didn't have one of those. That was Charles Martinet. <laughs> not working for us. Yeah. Why didn't we get one? Just no good auditions for the role? Um, I just figured uh, his voice lines were versatile enough that we would be able to do basically anything we needed with it. That's fair. Uh, related to voice lines, and before we get into feats, you want to comment on our Lucas voice actor. Um, I know he was controversial. Um, <laughs> I thought he did well, but a lot of people were upset that he sounded really different from how he sounds in Smash. Yeah, um, so there are a couple things that went into this. Um, we were planning on using Lucas's uh, lines from Smash, and then a couple days before we posted the video on this one. I was going to go do the sound design. I don't normally do sound design unless something goes wrong. Um, but I was going to go do it and put in the uh, voice actors tracks. And I realized Lucas has an issue of not actually being able to do anything that he does in smash. <laughs> so he's got lines saying like PK freeze, which he can't use. Um, he doesn't have a line for PK love. And just in general, it's, not a good representation of him as far as his actual lines, but also Lucas is like 15 years old and doesn't sound like a 15 year old boy. And this is such a small thing, but I figured since I'm casting it and it's short, I may as well get someone who sounds a lot more like a 15 year old boy than a six year old Japanese girl. (laughs) And for what it's worth, most of the criticism I saw was that he sounded too much like a 15 year old boy. So yeah, I guess he nailed it. Um, 
Oh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Guess I'll move on. Uh, so our first question about Lucas is, um, isn't Lucas a telepath? So he could mind erase Wario. Um, he has psychic abilities, uh, but he does not have mind erasure. Can he read people's minds? I don't believe so, no. I think there's like some kind of limited mind reading, but it's more like he can turn his mind on as a broadcasting receiver, right? Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. I might be getting it mixed up with Ness. I feel like like he could Ness at least could receive telepathic communication. Yeah. From, but he he can't like read a random person's mind. Right. That was his friend uh Paula giving him broadcast saying Ness come, come Oh, me. not in the novel. Oh, really? What happens in the novel? I mean, in the novel it is that, but he's also able to like send them out on his own. Oh. And so they like telepathically flirt a lot. I hate that. It's a uh, oh boy. I I is wish that... I could get a good translation of the novel. I've read summaries. What kind of is that going to be secondary canon? Any no, chance? No, no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just that a lot of major things are changed about the characters. Like uh, Jeff is a cripple. Uh, he he can't walk, and he's got like an Iron Man wheelchair that flies around and attacks and stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> different. He's also super hot. Like, the author comments all the time about how hot Jeff is. I think he's, like, 11, so I hate that. <laughs> anyway, back to Lucas. He's not erasing people's minds. Um, why wasn't our death for the episode super dark? Because that would have been perfect for Halloween. And you wouldn't have been able to see it. <laughs> no, um, it wasn't dark because that's not what Wario would do. Like, a lot of people... I saw the grossest comments. It's like... Wario's gonna grab Lucas, rip off his head, take out his tongue, wrap it around his severed head, hang him from like the lamppost, slam him underground, and then fart garlic on him. Uh, I see stuff like that for every episode. I don't know, like what Mario games people are playing. It's a little concerning. If if you can point to one fight that Wario has been in where he does anything like that, then maybe I would hear it a bit more. But in general, like we we try not to have. Uh, fights end in deaths in the first place, unless it's something that the character would be willing to go to, like go to that extreme. And especially like a brutal death. And we're getting better at adjusting that as we go on. There have been a couple missteps in tone along <laughs> the way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a good representation of Wario. Wario's a jerk. Well, he's selfish and kind of a jerk, but I don't know. He doesn't actually strike me as that bad of a guy. And he's definitely not, like, maliciously evil and rejoicing in the blood of children. Yeah. Um, okay, this is my question for you, as well as a lot of other people's question. Why did we mention Lucas dodging lasers in the video, but not that, give that to him as a feat or bring it up again? So this was an example of me going rogue when I was recording... And I read a line that just wasn't there. And then I paused for like 10 seconds, double-checked the script, and said, yeah, that's not there. Um, why? Yeah, it's something I remember him doing. He he, he dodged that attack. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's fine. People are going to know this isn't like a usable combat speed we're giving him <laughs> here. It's just going to be a fun way to get us a little bit more watch time, get some more footage of my favorite game. It'll be fine. No one's going to even notice. <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, that was not co-signed by the research team. That was not co-signed really even by me when I had good sleep. Um, I was just kind of going rogue there. Um, what I what I said specifically, though, is that he aim dodges, which I don't know. I know we talked about those as a team, uh, the light feats. Yeah, basically, it's just we don't have any information about what's happening in Mother 3. Yeah, there, there's no detailed animations on the moves and there's no descriptions of what's happening. I even I read through all of the novels or at least as much English as I could find them in. Um for Mother 1 and 2, I read through all of the manga and the comics, and nothing gives any indication, except there's, like, one fight in one of the manga where Ness, like, actively dodges a guy swinging a bat or a knife or something, mm-hmm. um, which is a little which, below. To clarify, even if the manga doesn't get used as secondary canon, we can still use it to provide context for other feats. Right. Um, which is what I was hoping to do, and there just isn't anything. So, um, yeah, we we tried our best to find a way to interpret it and just couldn't. And so, like we mentioned earlier, we tend to lean on the conservative we, side. We either had his combat speed generally where we had it before, uh, which I, which is still kind of ambiguous. Or we bump him up faster than anything in the known universe um, <laughs> and have him faster than light just because of that. But regardless, that's, that's the thing, is we it would be a massive increase, and with such an insane feat, there is a very high burden of proof there. Uh, the weird thing to me is, so many people act like you dodge in reaction to like a projectile coming at you. Whereas, like... If you're actually trying to dodge something in real life, you dodge before it happens. Like, you look at the, the motion going on and get out of the way before it comes near you. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, uh, baseball players will try and start their swing in reaction to the motion of the, the pitcher's arm, not the ball. Right. Um, so the assumption here would be he has to notice the light starting to come at him, see the light leaving the attacker, and then move out of the way. Right, which just it wasn't consistent with anything else. And I guess if it did hold up, it would be an outlier. So that's how that goes. Outlier because... Because it was just overshadowing anything else. He wouldn't be hit by anything else if he could... It would make like, every other instance of his speed feel... Feel like an anti-feed. Yeah. We should not have brought it up, though. <laughs> okay, so uh, this one is a bit lengthy. If PK Love is greater than PK Starstorm and Pooh's PK Starstorm is comparable to Endgame post Magicant Ness, who is in turn able to slightly harm Gygus, a being of practically infinite power, for it was stated that he would mindlessly destroy the universe if unchecked, shouldn't that put Lucas at least comparable to this version of Ness, putting his magic at like way above anything Wario can handle? Can Ness harm Gygus? I thought the entire point is you can't do anything to him until people start training. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, I, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say uh, it's comparable to PK Starstorm, which is calling stars down from the sky, like shooting stars. So couldn't you use the kinetic energy of that to scale it up from there? I guess the point stands. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, let's see. You want to take this one? Well, I mean, ultimately, it's... There's a lot of what-ifs here. 
a lot of saying they're comparable because of damage numbers, a lot of assumptions about where Ness is going to be that uh, I don't know where we're going to end up putting Ness, but I kind of doubt it's at the level people expect. Well, maybe expect from us, but are used to for Ness. Um, but I don't know. It's I, I don't feel like this, this thread of chaining is consistent enough for it to hold up in this case. Um, maybe it's stronger, but it's just a bit too tenuous. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Lucas's rolling HP, which uh, should have prevented him from dying since he could just heal before ever getting to zero. Uh, we talked about this a lot. It was one of the main factors helping Lucas stay in the fight. Um, kind of related to this, I saw a lot of people say, why would Lucas not just spam PK Love or PK Flash until he won with that? Uh, why was he wasting time buffing? And it's kind of the same answer. He can afford to, to spend some time buffing because he has this rolling HP. Uh, for those not familiar with the game, when uh, when Lucas takes damage, his HP literally just starts counting down slowly, like one per second, one per or a couple per second, something like that. Uh, and if you heal, um, then it stops counting down and you heal up. So uh, it, it was like a really big point in his favor. Uh, what we ended up coming down to, though, is that mortal damage, um, it it doesn't care where your HP is at. It basically treats you at zero when as being at zero HP when you heal, right? I believe um, so, yes. So if if Lucas gets one shot by Wario and he could theoretically last a while because of the rolling HP, even if he tried to heal up, he would only have like 10 HP left. Um, and then if he gets hit again, he dies too quickly to do anything. And because Wario is hitting so much harder than Lucas can endure, it's not going to be reliable enough to give him more than a couple of extra attacks in mm -hmm. the fight. Especially one of our most reliable ways for Wario to take this is to close the distance, grab him, and shake him. Um, which would just be a continual source of damage. Continual damage, and it would get rid of Lucas's revive items, of which I think he has eight, seven or eight. Um, it would... He would lose all of those. He'd take constant damage. Um, but it is something that we considered. It just wasn't enough to tip it in his favor. And honestly, even with the healing, even if we assume that he could, like, have infinite full heals, he's, like, in RPG terms, he's wasting his turn just healing, and that's all he could do. Um, so it, it wouldn't really win him much anyway. He needs to, to be able to do just a little bit more to take advantage of it. He did have um, Refresh as a spell that would give him 10% each turn. Uh, for five turns, it would automatically yeah. heal him, but that's not quite reliable enough to and, last And long. it's the same point, or the same problem, where it'll heal him 10%, but that puts him at 10% of his max health, because he got hit really hard, so right now he's just going to die again anyway. Um, Alright, last, last but not least, is the truth of the universe. Woo! We had a few people bring this up. Um... To, to give the really quick summary of why we didn't even, like, acknowledge his existence, uh, this is not a simple argument. Um, we would need to spend a fairly significant amount of time talking about what it meant for Lucas, and we don't agree with it. Kind of like we mentioned earlier, it would take a lot of setup that would just end up being confusing to say, but we don't buy into this. Right. Like, look at this thing, and also this thing, and this could mean this thing, and this is called this thing, and this is this thing. 
But actually, forget all of that. The Truth of the Universe is fairly popular in uh, the Versus community, um, both for Ness and Lucas and all the other characters from their games. And it's something that casual fans will never, ever pick up on. Um, I read through a bunch of blogs on this, a bunch of comments, people explaining it to me. Uh, so I'm going to give you the rundown. And I don't just, think you're very familiar, right? Uh, I am a lifelong fan of the Mother games. I've played them all many times. Well, I played Mother 2 and 3 many times. I, I don't like that first one. Um, and yeah, I'm, I was a good example of coming to this fight and being surprised to learn about the truth of the universe when we were researching. Um, gut reaction before we get into it. What are your honest, unfiltered feelings on this feat? It is a complete misreading of everything going on in the games. Um, it's kind of my opinion. Yeah. So that that's the the takeaway here. I'm going so that's to break show, everyone. <laughs> I am going to break down all the little arguments here uh, because I know it is important to a lot of people. Um, but it it just doesn't have any basis. Um, to start with. The truth of the universe, like the name, the concept, the entity, uh, the reason why, Inc., you wouldn't have heard of this as a casual player is because it is never, ever brought up. Um, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so you have one conversation. Um, well, that's not true. There are, I think it's two scenes in the series where it's talked about. So you have one conversation, which I believe was with a monkey, but maybe it was with his trainer, uh, where he's talking about like predestination in Mother Two or yeah, three? Mother Two. Almost all of this is from Mother Two, um, which is the same as Earthbound, right? Though uh, so a lot of this was lost in translation, supposedly. Um, the the bad translations seem to support this. Like, the bad translations of people saying that the official localization are bad. I've heard, <laughs> like, I've heard some people say that the official localizations are bad, but I've also heard people like um, Tomato, who translated Mother 3, he's a professional translator, saying that the local localization team did a fantastic job on the second game, or on Earthbound, to the point that he didn't feel a need to go through and change anything. Uh, the people that I've heard say the localization is bad are saying it because the localization takes away some ambiguous wording from Japanese that supports the argument they're making for the strength of the character. Well, it also takes away his octopus eraser and now it's a pencil eraser. Oh, well never mind. That's terrible. He can, he can erase octopus shaped objects and iron pencil shaped objects. Why would they take that away? Um, I forget exactly why the mother localization is fascinating like they have a whole book of the changes they made and why and it's super interesting oh. anyway i don't want to derail too much right so anyway you have um you have the conversation with what i'm pretty sure is the monkey um i haven't played this game and i've only seen the screenshot and it's ambiguous who's talking so uh anyway uh it says that the truth of the universe travels the cosmos like a grain and like a wave and speaks to the universes known as man. That's the um, literal translation of Japanese, by the way. Uh, so that's to remember the scene. One, I can give you the picture. Yeah, that might jog my memory. Oh, yeah, I know where this is. So this is uh, this is when you're going to learn how to teleport, and so you go on an item fetch quest for all of these monkeys. Um, they're like, "Hey, my master can teach you how to teleport. Come into our underground sunburn layer." 
and give all of us monkeys different items as you make our way through this monkey wants a towel, this monkey wants a hamburger. And they all say real weird crap. <laughs> uh, but they're all supposed to be like very spiritually enlightened monkeys. This game is so weird. So anyway, yeah, this monkey talks about the truth of the universe traveling the cosmos. And um, at one other point, I believe, um, I believe that it talks about Ness touching the truth of the universe for an instant when he's in Magicant. Um, and that it would give him a lot of knowledge or something. And that's like the only times that it talks about it. And in both of those um, instances, you will notice that it is not talking about an entity. It is talking about, like... The concept. The truth. Yeah. And that gets into some weird crap where people say that the truth of the universe is both an entity and a concept. It's a... Like, it's an embodiment of a concept, and therefore it makes sense that you get that. But we won't get into that now, at least. Um, but anyway, that that's as much as it's ever brought up. What's so frustrating about stuff like this in the mother series is the game is full of intentional satirizations and parodies of different like archetypes of people versus the creator actually trying to make commentary on something he believes in um, like there's this cafe full of hipsters and it's very obviously trying to make everyone just a hyper uh like hyper stereotyped liberal leaning 20 year old uh in a bar um and so you get things like that that are intentionally kind of saying vague nothings that sound like they're supposed to mean something for the sake of a joke and then you also get things where he's actually trying to make a point but regardless yeah it seems hard to draw the line um i know that a big part of this argument is that a lot of the things that seem like they should be just a joke or a reference or something, aren't. Um, a big part of why this is important is because people believe that the real world, like our our world, you and me, exist in Earthbound um, and are a part of the game that's like literally influencing it. Is that due to them asking your real world name? Uh, it is due to the yeah. comment where, I don't remember who is saying this. Uh, I think it might be Paula. But uh, Earthbound 2, they say, what's the world like there? It looks like things Earthbound will work 2 out. or Mother 2? Because those are different, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Mother 2. Okay. Earthbound 1. Uh, what's the world like there? Uh, it looks like things will work out here, but what about your world? Will it be all right? Hey, other world, be good to player. Um, which shows that every fourth wall breaking scene is a lot more serious than a gag. Um, and so... Yeah, there's that. And then there's the the time where the player is praying and damaging Gygus. Um, and so the two of those are kind of the crux of the argument that, like, our world is literally interacting with Earthbound beyond the level of a player and a video game. And then there's also stuff like the developer possesses a dog, um, and therefore... <laughs> You'll love this. Therefore, the dog is a higher dimensional entity who has control yes. over the reality of the game. <laughs> yes. Um, I love it. I am all for it. Yeah. I don't remember that dog. He must have wiped my memory. It's a uh, Ruffini. That's the the dog's name on the wiki, at least. Anyway, so the argument goes that you have Earthbound's normal layer, normal dimension. And then above that is our layer 
um, our dimension with reality in it, which is obviously way higher than Earthbound because we treat it like fiction. We play it like a video game and people created it. And then above that, you have the truth of the universe, which exists across above us. Yes. Which exists across everything and everywhere and all dimensions and, and all that. Um, and that the chosen ones who are Ness and Lucas and Ninten, um, they are able to communicate with the truth of the universe and the truth of the universe is influencing every action that happens in their game and our reality to ensure a, the best outcomes happen for them. They even like, even when something unavoidably bad happens, it ends up turning around for their good. Um, the proof of this is that there are a lot of statements throughout the game saying things like, Ness, you have a great destiny, or fate will make sure that you win, or we don't have any choice but to win. That's actually a good point. I've heard people in real life say those things, (laughs) which is below truth of the universe. Right. Anyway, um, it's, I guess, okay, sure. There's a lot of, um... A lot of stuff about fate. None of this is ever, like, none of this is ever stated as the direction of some entity, though. It's always, I mean, it's vague RPG speech where you're like, you're the destined hero, the chosen one. Mm-hmm. You're going to save us all. And, and then they do. But in this, this argument is that, like, so you get a game over and you choose not to continue. And the game's like, oh, well, I guess we'll pick up at your next save, or your last save next time. It must have all been a bad dream. And therefore, that is the truth of the universe, rewriting this It doesn't reality. say it almost have been a bad dream. I think there's a music track that's titled Bad Dream. No, it says it too. Really? Yeah. The track title is also Bad Dream. Which game? Earthbound. Earth, okay. I'm less familiar with that than I am other three. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um... And then there is uh, there is the scene where you drink coffee in Earthbound and Mother 3. Yeah. And you get like this really long narration scene that's supposed to be the truth of the universe talking to you. I thought it was Mr. Saturn talking to you. That truth of the universe makes much more sense. See? Well, in theory. It, I don't know. I don't think either of them. I, I thought Saturn Mr. Saturn was just like this wise sage who suddenly, through some psychedelic coffee, gave you just an insight into your life and where you came from. I think it's meant to be ambiguous. Yeah. In Earthbound, uh, the the localization has the end of it say something like, uh, I wish luck upon you, which makes it sound like there's a speaker, but in Japanese, they didn't have that. They said something like, may the goddess of good fortune smile upon you. So the argument is that there wasn't intended to be an actual speaker in this scene. And this it, is going to give Pokemon some crazy stuff with the narrator <laughs> in the anime. Yeah. Ash Ketchum. I don't know. It's everyone in the game talks in Kana, which is like Japanese basic alphabet. Uh-huh. Um, except for this one coffee scene where it is kanji, which is the Chinese characters that they use. Much more complicated. Um, I saw an argument that 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 the whole game is in Kana because it's meant to sound like people talking and this is in Kanji because it isn't meant to be someone talking, but that doesn't make sense. That's not how Kana work. Um, so that's not right, but 
it is intended to be like distinctly different from other dialogue you've heard. I don't know. There's something there, but all of it is like, there's no indication that it's, it's the, the goddess. No, sorry. The goddess of luck is the, uh, um, the truth of the universe. That's part of this, but there's no indication that any of this is, um, the truth of the universe, except that it seems to know what you need to do next and what you've done in the past. But it's not like so incredibly prophetic about these things that it couldn't be anything else. Um, I don't know. It could even be self-reflection. The It sounds like there's not a lot of things really even talking about the truth of the universe existing as a possible candidate. No. Um, really, like, the, the monkey saying that the truth of the universe travels through the cosmos is where the concept comes from, that the truth of the universe is, like, a thing that is influencing this. Um, and that's just not reliable. Um, I know that the monkeys are wise, and it's so funny to me that it originates from a monkey. It's so dumb. Anyway, so far, it's all a bit of a stretch, but I could see it maybe being true. It basically sounds like some kind of oracle that they could get more information from. That's uh, not crazy. What gets really insane is when you start talking about what it can supposedly do and why it matters for the characters. Um, as for why it matters for the characters, the idea is that... So it's both that everything is predetermined to happen in one exact way. And also, the truth of the universe is changing every possible action to the benefits of the, the chosen ones like Ness and Lucas. Those aren't compatible ideas um, to start with. But even if you assume one or the other was true, and in both cases they are benefiting Ness's party and Lucas's party, there's nothing to support that beyond the meta structure of the game and these guys winning. Something that would help support it is if they had a 100% accuracy rate, because that would make me much more willing to use the Casey bat in Earthbound, which is crazy good and has a, I think, 33% chance of hitting as a reference to some weird or obscure Japanese baseball player. That's weird. Um, the funny you mentioned the percentages though, because one of the points of proof of the truth of the universe is that there's a conversation you can have with, as far as I could tell, just some random NPC in, I think, Saturn Village, who says that Gygus has a 99% chance of victory, but your courage gives you a 1% chance of victory. And so the truth of the universe is both able to manipulate reality to give you the 1% chance of victory, and also manipulate reality to make you win with that 1% chance of victory instead of losing, and also is predetermining everything, so it was actually a 100% chance of you winning all along. Um, I don't know. They kind of stumble over each other, the arguments. Yeah. Um, but getting into the powers... <laughs> um, oh, where did that start here? I've got a list of all of them up. It's Chosen Ones... While you pull that up, it's just so surreal to me that this exists, or at least it exists in the metaverse of people oh, talking about. Just just wait. So like I said, up to now, it's a little weird. I could probably see it. I can understand why people are saying it. It's a stretch. But <laughs> what, what it's supposed to do is just wrong. Um, so we look at its, um, its AP, its attack potency which is said to be at least high multiversal level plus. Hold up, what? Yes. So, From, based on legitimately what? 
that's what I'm getting into. So, remember the monkey. The monkey says... <laughs> you know that meme of the guy standing in front of the, the board? Yeah, with the board the... with all the strings and he's pointing to it. It's like, remember the monkey! The truth of the universe, monkey! Someone is gonna Photoshop my face onto that guy saying, remember the monkey now. Oh, that would be great. So, the monkey says in the Japanese literal translation... That the truth of the universe travels through the cosmos like a grain and like a wave. Um, and the word particle in Japanese is partially formed of the word grain. So what people take this to mean is that the truth of the universe is exhibiting properties like light does at a quantum level. What? Where, okay. Oh, because it comes from the word particle, grain. Right. So, and because it kind of sounds the same. Light operates as both a wave and a particle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are lots of experiments proving that it's really weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's how the world works. Um, when you measure it in some ways, it is measured like a wave would behave. Um, you can see light splashing onto a wall in a wave-shaped pattern. If you measure it in other ways, it will always hit one exact point, like you were firing a little light pellet. Um, so it's really crazy, and people are like, This is saying like a grain and like a wave. Therefore, this sounds like the quantum behavior of light. Therefore, it's some kind of weird quantum thing. And therefore, that means that the truth of the universe is existing throughout all time and space in all possible multiverses. Because in quantum mechanics, the state of things are uncertain and there's infinite possible ways that something could go. And therefore, the truth of the universe is existing in all of them and can change all of them with like pure physical power. I I want to say you're making this sound worse of an argument than it is. Do you want me to read the paragraph? No, because I I believe you. I just want to say that. (laughs) So, like, I feel bad because I know there's people who genuinely, like, I mean, with this specifically, this is like religion. But anyway, I don't want to come across as making fun of people, but it's just based in fundamental fundamental misunderstandings of things like for instance the entire to the point it's got to be intentional misunderstandings right like i don't know the the entire wave particle thing is just wrong what they're saying um like they're saying the existence of wave particle duality as a property of physics implies infinite possible states of a universe and then the official mother two manga states that there are infinite possible timelines that exist and therefore, it's above all of those. So, it it would be wise to point out that at no point has the truth of the universe or anything been stated to be above any of those infinite possibilities. And also, like, the existence of quantum states and multiple possible routes, multiple possible universes, that doesn't mean that there are multiple possible universes. Like, even ignoring um, even ignoring quantum crap, I could throw my phone at your face right now, or your stomach, and there are two possible universes. And I could do that with, like, any amount of decisions. And basically, they're saying that the, the possibility of creating decisions means that there's a multiverse, and the existence of a multiverse means that the truth of the universe is above it. And, I don't know, like the conclusion they're trying to draw from wave-particle duality isn't correct. And then there's no support that 
their conclusion is right after all. Also, fun fact, this blog has been really good about linking proof up until we get into what the truth of the universe can actually do, and then it's really devoid of links. So at this point, it's basically like pure conjecture. Um, anyway, uh, that that's its first thing. Uh, that okay. it's high multiversal plus. It's it's not. Uh, if if this exists, if we believe it's real and acting in Ness's favor, there's absolutely nothing to indicate this. Um, so yeah, uh, it is extra temporal because get this. So extra temporal. It is beyond time because it is stated to travel the cosmos like a grain in a wave. Well, have you ever put a grain in a wave? <laughs> uh, I don't think I have. Okay. What is uh, the equation for speed? Uh, speed is distance over time. Distance. It travels distance, putting it by definition over time. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, I, I have literally no idea what this is supposed to mean. Um, it says it's also far beyond the scope of the player who resides in the real world that ver- views maybe, Earthbound as fiction. Maybe it's getting into time dilation. <laughs> It's not, that's not even time dilation. Like, this is just existing outside of time. And the the proof of that is that it travels. But you can't, you can't travel if you're outside of time. Like, part of the equation of travel is how long it takes you to travel. So, yeah, that's not a thing. That gets to be omnipresence rather than travel. <laughs> Actually, its next thing is omnipresence. No, they just said it was traveling. <laughs> yeah, well, it's omnipresent because... You're you're, jo- you're trying to make this sound stupid. You are not... <laughs> Look at this. You... Are they actually written one after... Oh, you're not kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, it's not omnipresent because it travels like a grain in a wave. It's omnipresent because it exists throughout the entire cosmology of the series. Uh, the link for that is missing because it's not real. Um, I suppose what they mean is that they have screens in each. Yeah. Like there's vague hints in mother one and three. Most of the stuff comes from mother two, but, uh, there's a little bit hinting at it in the other ones. So I guess that means it's omnipresent. Um, (laughs) yeah, let's see. Um, also, oh, here's the explanation of why they do explain why it's omnipresent because it travels as a grain in a wave. Oops. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just they they state the paragraph the monkey says again. Oh, okay. And therefore, wait, that's the omnipresence. Yeah, but they say travel. Yeah. Freaking game mechanics. Um, omnipresence mean that you are everywhere, so you can't travel because there's nowhere to go to because you are everywhere. Um. Let's see. Non-corporeal. So, I could agree with that because it's a concept. The reason they say it's non-corporeal... Meaning not having a form. Right. You want to guess? Because you never see it? No, no. Because it's described as being like a wave that travels around the cosmos. I'm noticing... uh, (laughs) Yeah, everything everything is based on this one fundamental misunderstanding. It all comes to the monkey! (laughs) The well, monkey accidentally started a religion. Stupid quantum particles. This is also so. To be perfectly clear, light is not a wave. When people say that it behaves like a wave, it's not 
It has wave-like properties. It is a particle that distributes itself in a wave of probabilities. Um, the distinction is irrelevant and probably complicated, but it's not like it's not like this means it's incorporeal. Like it's not. Why not say it's incorporeal because it is never given up for? Genuinely, there's about as much here as there is for the platonic scaling for Sonic. There's probably more for Sonic. Uh, Non-physical interaction, because it should be superior to Ness. So, non-physical interactions means he can hurt things that don't have physical form. And Ness can harm intangible things. And therefore, this should be able to harm them, which I I guess... I don't even see why it can attack. Well, it's it's like a grain traveling on a wave. <laughs> I hate it so much. Uh, conceptual embodiment, because it is a concept, which... That checks out. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. Concepts themselves aren't anything meaningful. Just um, cosmic awareness. So it is aware of everything happening in the cosmos. Because it can tell you what nested on his journey. What went wrong? What- like... there's there's a lot of work put into this page i know it's just i don't i understand the appeal of wanting to try and figure out the best way to stretch what happens in a series to make your characters really strong i just think that it needs to be based on something um also no no links again it's just like it's literally like it can tell you what ness did and therefore is aware of everything in the cosmos I don't get it. Um, so precognition, it's supposedly able to see the future. Um, and the reason that it says for this is because there is an apple of enlightenment that can prophesy things. And that apple can't see certain things like the result of temporal interference. And therefore, the truth of the universe can prophesy better and see through temporal interference. There's no link here, so I don't know what this is. Where about. is that? That seems like a big jump. I like there's the, there's no explanation. So I don't know. I, I I don't even have enough to refute this. It's just made up. Also, it has self-explanatory clairvoyance, which you don't need to explain that self-explanatory. <laughs> I guess I could agree with because it can. Like, if you assume it's a thing and can see what's happening at Ness when it's not there. I guess. But you also can't be clairvoyant and omnipresent. Because you are there, and therefore not seeing where you aren't. I might not be smart enough to fully understand clairvoyant and how it uh, how it doesn't work with omnipresence. Uh, let me make sure I'm not... Real fast, while you pull that up, I will say we talked about how it makes sure things go the best possible for Ness and Lucas. Like, if it decided the end of Mother 3 was the best possible result for Lucas, <laughs> like, that's rough, buddy. Like, I don't out, think of, it likes Lucas. out of all of the possible endings, that's that's what it picked for him. Man. To be fair, Lucas probably survived that, and it has said that bad results end out working up in well and working happened? out in their benefit so maybe after the end of Mon- mother three lucas like got somebody who I loved him ticked if i was lucas <laughs> uh okay so the definition of clairvoyant is not what i thought i always imagined it like 
seeing things where you aren't, whereas it's actually just possessing the ability to sense things beyond the normal way that people sense things. So, I guess so. Um, omniscience. It knows everything because Ness has omniscience, and his omniscience came from going through the Sea of Eden, and in the Sea of Eden, he briefly touched the truth of the universe. Um, Wait. I don't remember this in the game. Well, yeah. That's a, that's a conversation for when we get to Ness, because there's honestly a lot more to look into. But from what I understand... You go to Magicant and then the Sea of Eden, and when you're going there, it says you're going to touch the truth of the universe briefly. And then after that, you absorb Magicant, and then you're like Super Ness or something, and also supposedly Omniscient. I haven't looked into Ness enough to know if that holds up. Omniscient and still with a lower IQ than Bony. <laughs> yeah, it's a smart <laughs> dog. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, if Ness is omniscient and got the omniscience from the truth of the universe, then sure. I personally don't think Ness will be omniscient, though. Uh, it is a large size because it is omnipresent. Therefore, it is big. I guess. But it's also not omnipresent if you want to give it a lot of these other things. It has abstract existence because it's a concept. I guess. Uh, it can manipulate truth because the monkey said that Ness's party coming to them was predestined. Um, I don't know why that makes it manipulating anything, though. Or even what it had to do with that. But apparently it did. Uh, it has quantum manipulation. You want to guess why? <sighs> Is it because... It's, uh, the truth of the universe is like a grain on waves. That, that's it. It's a LSD. Wave. It's a wave. <laughs> oh it's a gosh. wave in a particle. Just like light can manipulate everything about quantum mechanics because it is a wave in a particle. Uh, it is acausal, which means it's not bound to the results of its actions. Um, you, you want to know why? why? Because it views everything, including concepts, as a grain in a wave. So, this is all coming from that stupid monkey. Man. Yes. And notably, now this is talking about it viewing other things as a grain and a wave, which never happens. It, like, I don't, there's nothing supporting that whatsoever. Um, viewing other things. This is all going off the idea that it exists. I don't even understand like, what that would mean. Like, what does it mean if I view you as a grain and a wave and now I'm above you? It doesn't make sense. I guess at this point, stuff is supposed to be so crazy that it doesn't make common sense, so that's not necessarily I a guess. point against it, but it is just made up. Um, it is fate manipulation because it controls a universal system of which it selects chosen ones when the universe is in danger in order to save it, and then when they are selected, they are destined to defeat the evil. Um, this is just like an explanation of... like. Ness being called a destined chosen one. And there's one point where it says that he his fate is bound to a universal system and like gonna overlap with the universe or something like that. Apparently that's that's because of this. It likely has psychic abilities because other people do. If it had all these other things, what could it possibly need those for? <laughs> right? Anyway. And at the same time, if it has all of those other things, 
Wait, wait, wait. So, so the idea not... is because it's above Ness, and Ness has psychic abilities, it also has them. Yes. That, then it gets everything. Yeah. It gets everything from every person in our universe, including everything everyone in our universe has created. Yep. Including everything. It just gets... That is the freaking argument. Freaking monkey religion. <laughs> um, and then it can manipulate plots. Um, and that's because it views truth as, as a wave and a grain. And, and it should have even greater manipulation than the dog who was actually the game developer. I would love if we had like unlimited influence could do whatever we wanted to start a series where we bring on creators of different franchises and run through like their, uh, their characters versus sheets or things like that. Like talk to, uh, the creator of earthbound about truth of the universe or, uh, it'd be interesting to get his take. What, what about yours? I have gone through everything. Uh, well, not everything. There's a lot of I, minor things. I had heard a lot of this before, but... and there was a lot of it that I didn't totally know all of the context to. This is worse. This is worse than Plato scaling. <laughs> but people don't talk about it like it is. People are like, how did you not mention this? And people have the expectation that, I, that we're going to include this in the video. We're going to spend 10 minutes saying, so it all started with a monkey and deep in the caves of the desert and then go from there, say that same line 20 times over the, the issue when you present something in a video format is you need to be able to show video or visuals that can substantiate what you're talking about. I would just have to make crap up. And you know what? That, that would still qualify because the fate of the universe is above. Actually, here's my, here's my response. If the fate of the universe is really above Ness and our own universe, like our own real life universe. It can control me to put it in this video and make Ness and Lucas the winner. Now it's about my stance. I, I don't understand. There's like, it's the same Bill Cipher can possess you to make you make him win. It's that same argument. He'll, Combined with we'll 20 other bad arguments. I mean, I know that a lot of work was put into this and I'm sure that a lot of the people who believe it really love the franchise. I have trouble thinking that anyone who believes this understands the arguments they're trying to make. Um, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I just got linked. We, we should link this in the description so that yeah, we can... Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I, it's definitely possible that I just got linked a bad explanation of this and that there are much, much better put together things with a lot more evidence out there. Um, and if that's the case, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, it's just that this is the, the big source that everyone was linking to that I saw. This is the one blog that started all the others, maybe not started them, but provided the proof for them. There's all these things in the versus battle zeitgeist that get thrown around over and over to the point that no one actually thinks about it. <clears throat> like Wario only dying when he feels like it. Like there's something about immortality, um, with Wario, where he mentions it in an English manual of the game, despite being able to die in other entries to the franchise. But the phrase specifically, only die when he feels like it, is all over the place. And Ness, truth of the universe, there's just... <laughs> to, to be clear, what you're saying is that people tell us all the time from a bunch of different sources that Wario only dies if he feels like it, but the source of that doesn't exist. Right. It, it becomes its own, its own source. 
that's how a lot of things I've looked into have been. Which is fascinating. It is. And, and frustrating. I, I mean, I understand it because no one's going to have time to go dive into all these series. The thing that frustrates me about it is that I don't feel like anyone trusts our research into it, where we look and say, Wario doesn't actually have that source saying that he only dies when he feels like it because they feel like we undersell characters in too many other points. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not really going out to change people's minds. I don't want to reform the versus community. You can believe whatever they want. I think it's fun to argue crazy stuff like this. I just, I think you need to be aware when you, when you're arguing about the, the grain and wave nature of truth like, what implications you're actually trying to make there. Oh, I did think of something I want to bring up real fast with Truth of the Universe, which is saying, um, you, you mentioned it briefly, but with it resetting things, calling it a bad dream, um, the implication is it totally rewinds things so there's not consequences of what happened because it protected them, so it just never even happened in the first place. But you can see concretely, like, in the world, that doesn't happen. You lose any items that you used before you died. And people could say, yeah, game mechanics, but then those people also argue for rolling HP. I don't think that's true, though, right? Like, this is, specifically, it says that when it's like, do you want to continue? And you say no. And then, after you say no, it's like, well, you're just going to pick up from your last save, and this will be like a bad dream. Um, Gotcha. So, I was... I'm pretty sure that that would just literally put you back at the last save and undo all those consequences. Gotcha, I think it would. Um, just recontinue. I was going off of something someone was mentioning in the Discord server. Yeah. So, not. I do think people probably get those confused yeah. and assume that the bad dream thing applies to any restart, which I guess is reasonable. Um, I don't know. My question is, why does it need a chosen one? <laughs> like, if it if it has to pick Ness as the chosen one and give him all of his powers and protect him by changing the fate of the universe to protect him. Why doesn't it just get rid of Gaius? Wait, hold up. I don't want to add too much more to this, but how does this relate to Lucas? Oh, right. Uh, so Lucas... <laughs> We've made it all this- Sorry. Lucas drinks coffee. All right. So it's been really good running this <laughs> channel, um, but I got to call it. That's, that's it. Lucas drinks coffee, and it's presented in the same way as Ness's coffee, where it is... Um, like it's presented in kanji and not as a clear speaker. And I think he's called the chosen one, or maybe it says that he has like a good destiny to do things. Um, and that's it. Which is another reason why we didn't dive too deep into this uh, before or during the episode, because it's really a Ness argument that is tacked onto Lucas. Um, but yeah, it's, it doesn't hold up very solidly. Yeah. But the real question to finish us off, Inc., is would you describe Wario more like a wave or more like a grain? Ooh. He definitely gives off wave vibes. I think that's what I would say, too. Yeah. I, I would say that uh, Wario is the wave in the fight and Lucas is the grain. Oh, man. I need to go take a nap. We didn't even uh, get to talk about all the fun things that Lucas's developer says in interviews. Not that that has anything to do with feats or what people have brought up, but it's just such a cursed interview that it needs attention. (sighs) That game, Lucas is a sad kid. 
He's got a rough life. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, once again, you can stop into the Discord server if you want to submit things for us to cover like this on our podcasts or our streams. Um, we'll be doing these deep dives for every match. Um, and hopefully we will uh, be able to have answered the, the common questions and concerns that you guys had. Thank you if you've stuck around this long and listened. It's uh, quite a long uh, quite a long experience, I know. This has been a trip. <laughs> I'm just sure still has. trying to wrap my head around how... To, never mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, hit subscribe or whatever the equivalent is of wherever you're listening to this. Um, the equivalent is review on iTunes. As podcasters, we are legally required to say that. You need to go leave us a review on iTunes specifically. Um, and I think we also have to say we're sponsored by Audible, but maybe that's not yet. Oh, we do have it. I just haven't set it up. Well, do that. We could be real podcasters. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Bye. <laughs>